0: presents Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout because the podcasting world needs yet another movie review show. I'm Rick, also known as Not Jeff from Jeff and Rick Presents, and I love movies. Big time movie lover. I've got this huge collection of films and I get really surprised when I find somebody that has not seen something that is dear to my heart, that's close to my heart. And so I just have to get them on my show, give them the movie and tell them they gotta watch it. Does that sound like fun? I hope so, because that's what you're listening to right now. But enough about me. Let's talk about my guest. I have got with me, oh, this is such a great honor. I've got with me the one, the only Professor Frenzy. So that means that this is indeed a show. Yes, Professor it's a Frenzy. Show. <laughs> Jerry, how
1: are you doing, sir? I'm doing terrific, Rick. Thanks for having me
0: problem i am serious too i i may not get a chance to listen to your show now because now i'm working from home i've got less time to listen to podcasts and i had to cut back a little bit but i listened to your show a lot back when i was commuting on you and chris are responsible for giving me so many comics that were not on my list (laughs) but i had to go and find them and get them so yeah that happens i think that by not listening to your show as much now i am not spending as much money so that's good it's working (laughs) It's working for you. You do the show, Professor French Show, with your friend Chris, Mm -hmm. and that's where you talk about comic book titles that are not put out by the big companies, kind of giving the spotlight to those smaller titles, correct? Yes,
1: that's right. It's just not the big two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of a lot of image, a lot of vault comics, a lot of dark horse. Boom is doing some great work. Yeah, so we we uh I'm really loving that show. The the books that we've kind of discovered through the show because we, you know, we go out looking for books have been some great great stuff.
0: That's awesome. That's fantastic. I think that's a really great thing that you do of giving the spotlight to those smaller ones because they don't get the love that the mm. big two put out and plus you also kind of get used to the rut of oh it's the x-men it's the avengers it's batman sure. superman all right well, what about the other stuff because there's some good content good mm-hmm. creators out there and it's it's nice to give them a little bit of love yeah absolutely and we've
1: uh, run into we've had some pretty good guys on our show we've had some great guests uh, we don't do guests all the time but we've had mark russell Um, You know, we've had some really great uh, conversations with folks and uh, Ron Randall's been on the show and it's just been uh, terrific.
0: Yeah, you're talking about a couple of good old Portlanders right there. Ah, Ron Randall and Mark Russell. They are, I'd like to say that they're my neighbors, although they're Mm -hmm. not, but they live in the same town as me. So I consider them (laughs) my neighbors, but I love both of their works very much, Uh, especially Mark Russell. Mark Russell is kind of that young blood that's coming out, just hitting things out of the park. Amazing. Fantastic, fantastic writer
1: yeah agree I totally agree with you Mark Russell's fantastic
0: and also a very nice guy too yes but we have spent a lot of time talking about comic books. Mm -hmm. That's not what the show's about. The show's about movies. What is your fascination with movies, sir? Well, I've always been a movie fan, and I'm a big horror
1: movie fan from when I was a kid. One of the first big impact movies was Wizard of Oz, and I always consider that a horror movie because my favorite part is when the witch shows up in Munchkinland at the beginning, and it would terrify me, and every year I couldn't wait to get terrified. And then I got (laughs) into the universal horror movies and some hammers and, you know, things like that. And so I'm a big horror movie fan. And then through that got into noir movies, you know, uh the third man and stuff like that. So uh, you know, I've seen a lot of movies. I've gone through periods, you know, through the VHS years in mm-hmm. the 80s, the pre-blockbuster ones where, you know, you'd, you'd get some little mom and pop video store and I would just tear through some of the classics and some of the oddball new movies. And so that's the kind of thing I like. But when it comes to horror, though, I don't typically like slasher, kind of gory horror. Mm-hmm. I like the creepy castles and, you know, the, the a lot of black and white or some uh, folk horror I like a lot, too. So, you know, I'm kind of all over the place.
0: More of the classic
1: horror. Yes, yeah. Definitely.
0: definitely, I was fascinated by your story about The Wizard of Oz, and I'd never thought about it as a horror movie before, but I can see it. Once I kind of step back a little bit and look at it, yeah, I can see how that would check some of the boxes that you would normally have. The, the copy of The Wizard of Oz that I have in my collection is one I got off of the internet one time because I saw it and I was like, I must own this. It's has two versions of The Wizard of Oz. One, it's the regular Wizard of Oz on DVD. The -hmm. second version that's on the disc is it syncs up with Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. (laughs) I've never done that. How is that? It is pretty creepy. (laughs) If you think it's a horror movie now, you need to check out that version. Because let me tell you, there are some parts that should not match up, and it matches up, and it's just not right. Awesome. But but – I will tell you that you, know, you you gave me your list. I didn't know that you had love of horror. I did not choose a horror movie, but mm-hmm. I did choose something else, which I was really surprised you hadn't seen. But I was glad you had it on your list. Are you ready to know what it is? I'm dying to know what it is. Now, I I may say this a lot from time to time, and there is no such thing as my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. I have some top movies. Like, you know, if you ask me just what's your favorite movie that I can throw at any time, I'd say, oh, Highlander. Love mm-hmm. Highlander. <laughs> but... When it comes to classic movies, when it comes to classic Academy Award winning movies, there is only one that takes a cake, and that is 1960s ah, The Apartment. Excellent. <laughs> this is the 1960s American romantic comedy drama film produced and directed by Billy Wilder, yeah. starring Jack Lemon, Shirley MacLaine, and Fred McMurray, <laughs> and Ray Walton, and I can't forget him as well. Jerry, how <laughs> have you not seen this absolute? classic film. I know
1: I know I kick myself whenever whenever I think oh maybe I should watch this movie and then something else always comes up and I think for me the thing that's always the killer is the romantic comedy part of it okay not always my I mean there's some classic great romantic comedy movies but it's not kind of my genre if you will so yeah uh, this is exciting I'm very excited to watch this what do you know about this film so, I think it is somebody owns the apartment, mm-hmm. and uh, is it set in New York City?
0: I believe so. Okay. I, I think it's kind of nebulous, but now I'm kind of thinking back to I, I believe it's New York City or a New York type of a city.
1: Gotcha. And then somebody uses it as a kind of a place to have an affair. And somebody, the one person, I don't know who, I don't know which, if it's Fred McMurray or Jack Lemmon, they... It's their apartment, and the other one, I guess, has Shirley MacLaine over, maybe? Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: that's, that's pretty much the outline of all I know about it. That's a pretty good rough outline. At least you got kind of the main actors kind of in place there. Think about what you said about romantic comedies not being your thing. I actually feel that you may be pleasantly surprised with this Mm. film because yes it is a romantic comedy but it's also a dark comedy so i think that it's going to hit a little bit more of your spots than you might think but i don't want to give too much away because this is a fantastic film. Awesome. I am glad that I'm able to talk to somebody about it. Going through the list that you gave me, it did not take me long to see this film and say, <laughs> I'm done looking the list. I don't care what else is on here. I want to talk about this because it's one of my favorites. So I am going to let you go. I'm going to let you sit down and watch this film while we listen to the trailer from 1960's The Apartment. number one, a very warm, very wonderful story about a boy, a girl, and a very special kind of problem. Did you hear what I said, Miss Kublick? I absolutely adore you.
1: Shut up and deal.
0: Ingredient number two, a brilliant cast, Jack Lemon in a delightful role which gives full rein to Jack's amazing versatility. Shirley MacLaine, whose glowing warmth lights up the screen like a Christmas tree. Fred McMurray. This is a Fred McMurray you've never seen before.
1: You know, you see a girl a couple of times a week just for laughs, and by the way, they think you're gonna divorce your wife. <laughs> I ask you, is that is that fair? No, sir, it's very unfair. Especially to your wife. Yeah. Ingredient number three, Billy Wilder. There's nothing quite like that Billy Wilder, some like it hot kind of laughter. <laughs>
0: are we dressing for dinner
1: you know just come as you are
0: so you're pretty good with that racket you
1: should see my backhand. where would you see me serve the meatballs <laughs>
0: Mildred! He's at it again! And we are back. I hope you had an opportunity to go out and watch this classic, classic movie from the 1960s, The Apartment. I mean, who wouldn't love watching a Jack Lemmon movie? Before we move forward and talk to our guest about what he thought of this film, let me give you a quick synopsis for those of you that haven't watched the film, just so you're caught up. Meet C.C. Baxter, or Bud to his friends. He is a young man with a promising future, a hard-working insurance clerk who has a really nice apartment on the Upper East Side. He has made an impression on a few of the managers at his company, not really for his work, but for his discretion and the use of his apartment for their (coughs) extramarital liaisons. While an inconvenience to Bud, the good favor is allowing him to climb the corporate ladder. Bud also has a crush on one of the elevator girls, Fran Kubelik. Unfortunately, she is seeing another married manager, Mr. Sheldrake. Who is an executive director at the company this plot intensifies after fran overdoses on sleeping pills at bud's apartment after learning that she is just one in a long string of women sheldrick has romanced bud is now trapped caring for the woman he loves while covering up and fixing the messes left by others can his charm and morals win over the heart of his true love so jerry Hmm. professor frenzy (laughs) You love horror movies. I do. And I know this is a little outside your wheelhouse, mm. but what was your first impression of this movie? Oh. Uh. I would have
1: to say, unfortunately, this one was a miss for me. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see why people would love this movie. I can see I have a lot of friends who I respect their movie going opinions and they, this is like their favorite movie in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of people like that. There's, there's a couple of things I didn't care for. I think just to kind of get it out of the way, there is a kind of misogynistic element of some of these liaisons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Women are treated terribly in this movie. Oh, yes, they are. I would never recommend my wife see this. Mm -hmm. And if she said, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to watch this movie, I would go out. (laughs) 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 It would not go well. I didn't really have anybody to root for for most of this movie. I think it kind of set up this world really effectively. I mean, Billy Wilder is a fantastic director and he's in rare form here, but he sets up this world that they live in. That's very controlled, very totalitarian, very, you know, you're a cog in the wheel. Mm -hmm. And Jack Lemmon, who I think is somebody who you're going to root for, right? I mean, you just naturally want to root for Jack Lemmon. He is doing some pretty awful things. Mm. Yeah. And so, the movie does, I think, at the beginning, take a position on that. Like, this is bad, if you will. You know, it's it's over, overblown. but But then it, it kind of turns on its own point of view where now they're going to make jokes about it and doing things to perpetuate this kind of system is good. It makes you heroic. Mm -hmm. And so, between that and just not really having anybody to root for, and I didn't really care for the very, very end. Really? I thought it was, I mean, like when the title, you know, with the two of them looking at each Mm. other longingly, it it just seemed dated. And I I think had I seen this movie a couple of years ago, maybe, you know, in the 80s, picked it up when everybody else saw it. I think I would probably love this movie. It's just a little out of date for I think somebody seeing it for the first time.
0: I love this movie. I love this movie to death, and this is this has a dear dear place in my heart with it. And I can watch it through a specific lens, and I think that sure. that's what I want to get at. And I think it's something mm-hmm. you you have described very well. It is a dated movie. <laughs> It's interesting, actually, because mm-hmm. always when I think of this movie, I think of this was a 1960s movie, and it was massively progressive for the 1960s. For the time. Yeah. Right? I'm thinking like, yeah. you know, coming out of the 1950s, straight-laced conservative, this sure. movie was body, Yeah. And just for that aspect, I always think of this movie as very progressive, but you are completely correct. It is dated in 1960s, the men are the ones in charge and it's okay if my buddy man here goes off and have these extramarital affairs and we, uh, right. we want to be the boys club and make sure that we are always taking care of each other and yeah. the women are things. The women are yeah. treated definitely like things. These guys are predators yes. and they're the good guys kind of. Well, I would not call any of them to be good guys. I think yeah, that Yeah, yeah. The managers and mass are just a lecherous group of sharks and yeah. that's all I see them as. I don't see any of yeah, them as yeah, good.
1: Yeah. But you can see them passing along these behaviors yes. to Jack Lemon and he's learning them.
0: Yeah, he is learning them and you're you're correct. Hey, here's one of our Buddies. He is going to be helping us out. We're going to teach him how to make it. We're going to teach him how to be one of the boys. And it's yeah. going to be all good. I think the morals of this teeters very tightly on a very thin edge. <laughs> and it isn't until just before the very end that you actually see mm-hmm. – well, there are times where you yeah. see Jack Lemon's character – making the transition to be better to be a mensch once he looks into the mirror into a broken compact, yes.
1: that's the that's the key that the whole movie turns on but
0: it, you can see him wanting to be a mensch and at the same time battling his own needs too so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i can definitely see where you're coming from and i want to i want to discuss this more with you and 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 talk to you about it but i have no problem I understand movies are not for everybody, and I understand that, especially with a lot of material in this and how it's presented, it is dated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I do not want to give a pass on any of the men here. Their behavior is horrible, and even Jack Lemmon's behavior is horrible a lot of times as he's trying to cover for these men. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I don't want to just say – well, it was the times. Right, right, right. But it was just the times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I also can can see that this is this is truly a great mm-hmm. movie. This is a magnificently crafted yeah. movie. My issues are more with the morality and then just the the identification with somebody. Yeah. That was really the problems that I had with it. But this is a this is a brilliant creation.
0: Let's talk about some of that brilliance and, and pull it out a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with our, our director and the way he's crafted this film and the set this film, because I do really believe that it was ahead of its time on just the look and feel and how it was presenting. What did you think mm-hmm. about the overall cinematography?
1: The cinematography I thought was really good and in a kind of – it was portraying kind of a soulless, a beautiful – Empty World. Really interesting you asked me that because I thought a lot about the cinematography in this movie and it was set back a lot. There wasn't a lot of really close ups. And this movie with just a couple of tweaks to the soundtrack and a couple of shot selections could be a noir movie. Yeah, it's dark at heart. This could be with like a a dark soundtrack, you know, something a little a little spookier and a little tighter cinematography. This could very easily have been a noir movie, but it's not. It's bright, and it's, it gives everybody a lot of space to, to move around, and it really helps the physicality of the actors who are, these are some of the best, Jack Lemmon and Shirley McLean are some of the best actors, you know, mm-hmm. that are out there, especially at this time, they're cutting their teeth. Really gave them a lot of room to, to move, but still was a, just, you know, the colors, a, a pretty pretty even contrast. You really could see what was around, and the sets were dressed, you know, very, it reminded me of my grandmother's apartment building in the Bronx.
0: <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a, a really nice little apartment. It, it, yeah. It's underscored. It's, I know a lot of times people like to say, well, the, the apartment or the car or some object is another member of the cast. I wouldn't say the apartment is a member of this cast. It's mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. apartment is the place. And yeah. the it has to feel homey and mm-hmm. approachable. It has to be something that all of these affairs can occur in. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's just an apartment. It's yeah. just a place. Yeah. And interesting about the location. So it said
1: he's about a half block off the park on the west side mm-hmm. in the west 60s. I think now I, I, I did say well, Upper not, East Side, but you're right. It is West Side. <laughs> I think he said on the west side of the park. Um, so that would be the same area around the same time that West Side Story. Yeah. Right. That yeah. that was the same thing. That old Lincoln Center area, which is right over there. He's paying $85 a month. <sighs>
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Being from the West Coast, can you kind of give me an idea or a sense about how insane that is? Well, let's just
1: say somebody I know very well, who may or may not be myself, you know, would expect to pay around thirty three thousand, thirty five hundred bucks 3500
0: a month for a one-bedroom. <laughs> nice. You know, you could live there. Pretty good. I recently met a guy from France and and, uh, had a lot of discussions with him. And he was telling me that he lives in Paris, like about Uh a block away from the Eiffel Tower. And he says he's got a tiny, tiny little place he lives in, less than a studio type of thing. And he told me how much he paid for that. And I said, wow, that's the same price as I paid for my very nice house that I live in. (laughs) (laughs) And I have an old bump
1: down the street.
0: Yeah. Portland has good bread. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you're good there. You're good there. And the good bread is literally a couple blocks away from my house. It smells wonderful. So, you're all
1: right. Yeah.
0: There was a scene at the beginning of this film that I Mm -hmm. always just bump on and love. It's where Mm -hmm. they open up inside his office. And it's rows and rows and rows of desks that are just going as far as the eye can see. I looked up on the trivia of this and they said that they set this up – a very specific manner where they had adult actors in suits in the front. They had children in suits behind. They had cutouts in suits behind that <laughs> to help with the illusion of how giant it was. Wow. And you just appreciate it even more when you see it. It's it's that illusion aspect that Disney has yeah. at Disneyland where they make things smaller going up, the forced perspective. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And it's evocative of just like you said, there are cogs in this machine. They are faceless, nameless Mm -hmm. people that are out there doing their jobs. Managers don't care about them. They just want the product. And they don't even care about the product. They just want to get the money to take the girlfriends out. Yeah. So it helps put you in that isolation mode of this world. And I think you're right about the cinematography too, by just not having too many close shots. Mm -hmm. There are scenes where there's tons of people and there are scenes when you see how alone people are. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super effective and and in that scene that you're talking about with all those people there, he's on his own. Yeah. It's that sense of anonymity, yes, you know, in a crowd.
0: Some years ago when I saw American Beauty in the theater, I right. walked out of that film saying, "My god, that film made me think of the apartment. Hmm. And then I saw an interview with the director saying that he designed many of the shots, and he designed the main character off of the apartment.
1: Oh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> and it was
0: like, I could see it because of the same setup and design of scenes and, and making mm-hmm. the workplace be just your cog in a machine. This is nothing. Yeah. But you know, so much of it you know, the first half of that
1: mm-hmm. of the movie is very much like that. As the movie goes on, it kind of settles into the apartment. Yes. And it becomes much more personal. And I think it gives Jack Lemon's character his chance to grow, yes. if you will. You know, whereas she's kind of falling apart. You know, she's kind of was in the good zone and is now kind of considering selling her soul. You yeah. know, to this system, and he's kind of coming up the other way, and they kind of meet in the middle. And that's uh, I appreciated that about this movie. It, it,
0: it isn't. It doesn't have rose-colored glasses by any no it, stretch. It looks at things very disparagingly. It, it, yeah. It's a very negative on certain points. There, Like you said, the noir aspect of it being very dark and very sad. There are mm. moments that are very sad. And it, you have Shirley MacLaine's character trying to say how she has given her heart to somebody who really doesn't want it. Yeah, And Jack Lemon is threading that weird needle of, I'm going to ignore my own feelings. I'm going to just do the company line. Mm -hmm. He's not being mean to her at all, but he's trying to help her. He's trying to solve a situation. Mm -hmm. But there is that, if not for just a little bit of comedy, you would go Mm -hmm. more into that lost weekend aspect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can see that. This could have been a lot darker. Yes, yes. (laughs) And that just brings to mind one of my favorite characters is the doctor, the next door neighbor doctor and his wife. Um, Uh So good. The only moral character, you know, from beginning to end.
0: I would agree on that. And I was noticing this time too, watching it. And we should say the doctor characters that come in, the next door neighbors, they have an opinion about Jack Lemmon. They have an opinion mm-hmm. about Bud and his lifestyle, because they do not see the parade of people coming in and out. They just hear the parties going on. And they assume and he, he fosters the assumption just so that he doesn't have to, he, I mean, you get kicked out if he knew that people were <laughs> using his apartment for this. So he just lets people assume what they want to assume. But they assume that he's this party animal. And he keeps on taking that abuse. He keeps on taking the faults onto himself, mm-hmm. and he keeps on getting the, the disrespect from him. Well, not disrespect, but he keeps getting questioned and judged by his neighbor. Rightly yeah. so. But the doctor is a very interesting character because he is the perfect neighbor. He's the perfect friend. He mm-hmm. is there to help. He is there to even help when Shirley MacLaine's character attempts to commit suicide, and he goes over, helps her out, and Jack Lemon asks him to not put it in or not report it mm-hmm. and he does it because he's right. a he's a neighbor and i think he knows mm-hmm. i think he knows that this is not who jack lemon is this is not who yeah. bud is that bud is covering that bud is trying to help there's a good guy in there yes
1: and the, and the doctor knows it and is tr- trying to just prod him a little bit you mm-hmm. know gently prod him i think he's a great character
0: fantastic character I, the entire speech of i want you to be a mensch to be Mench, a human yes. being
1: i have that in my notes <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> and then his wife is a bit the same way of course she's yeah. she more is, she's just the surface level but mm-hmm. she's also a good character too and just her coming in and her discussion and her taking care of mrs kublik <laughs> and you you must eat you must eat <laughs> Yeah, it's really good. Uh, We're going to have to talk about some of the bad characters. Uh (laughs) Let's talk a bit about the managers. Mm. We have kind of three managers who more or less bleed into each other. Uh, Maybe Ray Walton sticks out because we just—it's Ray Walton. Yeah, (laughs) Ray Walton. I mean, it's
1: just him. uh, Yeah, Uncle Martin and two other guys.
0: Yeah, it's like, wait a minute, this is my favorite Martian. What's going on here? What did you think about those three guys? And and you've already kind of talked a bit about how morally bankrupt they are. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and I think this—that's when they kind of play it up for laughs a little bit. Having um, Uncle Martin, um, <laughs> you know, he's just—he just look at him, and it's just funny. Mm-hmm. And they—they they don't really. The movie does judge them in a way. I think it looks at them very clearly. I mean, it doesn't try to hide who these guys are and make them out to be good guys because they they cut and run on Jack Lemmon mm-hmm. the first chance they get. So these yeah. are not heroic guys and they'll be there and, you know, we're all good bros and all that stuff. It's not who these guys. As
0: long as there's something in it for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's really the the whole thing is as genial as these guys appear, they're all predators. Mm-hmm. And they'll go after each other. They'll go after women. They'll go after Jack Lemon if he can't help them anymore. With those three guys, there is one scene that was a little triggering. <laughs> and it was when um, Jack Lemon he's got his cold. Yeah. And he's trying to arrange a day sh- um, switch. I have a job that I have to sometimes balance people's calendar. And it was not, I know that was funny it was done print but it was a little triggering for me I was like ah
0: and my wife does the same thing she's a scheduler as well and I think when we were watching it the other night she was like ah <laughs> yeah I
1: yeah same thing
0: I need to go home and I need to use my apartment oh somebody's supposed to be using it tonight well mm-hmm. I need to move them and he's so accommodating that instead of no just they can't. I am canceling tonight. He goes out of his way to reschedule and reschedule and reschedule. And it's an entire row of things that he has to do just to get his apartment for the night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, he can go home because he's sick.
0: Yeah. And then he doesn't get the apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to talk about <laughs> – we already talked about Uncle Martin. Oh, yeah. We need to talk about the absent-minded professor, the shaggy dog, Fred McMurray. <laughs> What was your thought on seeing Fred McMurray in this role? Well, I've seen him in roles like this. And Double I'm, indemnity.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. that's exactly. And, and in movies, and maybe that's part of why I'm thinking this could be a noir movie. Yeah. I did not really watch him in, you know, his sitcom age. I didn't watch his show. So I thought he was, first you think uh, he's he's a sucker. Jack mm-hmm. Lemmon's played him for a sucker. And then you think, no, that's not true. He's got the goods. He's Jack Lemmon's going to be out on his butt. No, that's not true. It turns out he's just as big a sleaze
0: bag as the other guys. Quite possibly worse.
1: Yeah, yeah, really, because he's really manipulating Shirley McLean. I, mm-hmm. I, I sense the other women that we saw were not under any kind of illusion no. from those younger, those other three managers. But Fred McMurray was really playing hardball with Shirley McLean.
0: Yeah, we we don't see the same level of interactions. We spend a lot more time mm-hmm. with Fred McMurray. Fred McMurray holds more power. Uh, there might be some of that in it as well. But the things that he does and the things that he says is meaner. It's viler. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. worse than anybody else in the film says or does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he kind of gets a
1: partial comeuppance when I don't know what her name was. I call her Angry Lady Gaga. Um, <laughs> his
0: secretary. His secretary.
1: Who decided to go right for the throat on him. And you could, she doesn't, no threat. No extortion. I want money. Mm -hmm. I want an apartment. No, nothing. Create chaos, maximum damage, tell the
0: wife. That was Miss Olsen played by Edie Adams. And she Um, is wonderful in this too. She is great. Because she does come across as that prim and proper secretary. She is Mm -hmm. the gatekeeper. She is the controller. And it's very easy when she comes out and says, oh yeah, I was one of his little girlfriends. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And you can see the hurt, you can mm-hmm. see the inevitability, you can see a lot of different emotions that she yeah. deals with interacting with Fred McMurray, with Shirley McClain. You yep. see all of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's a very rich character that only has what two minutes of screen time. Yeah, probably. And they create just a completely under uh, somebody you totally understand.
0: Yeah. Somebody who's dangerous, too. Yeah, <laughs> very, very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's Don't upset the person who knows where all the bodies are hidden yeah, and has no. the number for your wife. Yes. Don't do what that. Are you thinking? <laughs> That's a bad move. How did he get
1: so far in the world?
0: Probably the same way as the younger managers did. Mm-hmm. It's just at a certain point, you think that you are that powerful. You think yeah. that nothing can touch you. And mm-hmm. you think that you can make these choices and it's going to be okay. I've played the same game. Over and over and over. Yeah. It'll be gonna, fine. Why is this different? Why is this different? What's yeah. going to possibly happen to make it any different? Totally. Let's get back to the main character. We Let's talk a little bit more about Jack Lemmon. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes through a bit of a ride, too. And mm. you said earlier on that it was hard to see him as a real hero or to really identify as, as a hero. Mm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. You know,
1: I think that the movie sets up this world – as being dehumanizing. Right. As it, it, I really, I really had a takeaway, especially from the beginning portion of the movie where they're describing the world, that this is a bad place for humans to live in. And Jack Lemon, on the one hand, is living in it. So you can say, OK, well, he's a victim of this world, but he's not a victim of this world. He is living in it and perpetuating it in his own way, doing terrible things. <laughs> I hate to admit this, I really enjoyed this movie much more when I thought about it in terms of of like watching a Mad Max movie, like some kind of post-apocalyptic nightmare (laughs) that this guy's living in and he's just got to do the best he can and he's a sleazy guy and he gets a redemption. And when I thought about it like that, I was like, okay, I can see how that could work in movies that I've seen and liked are like this in that way. It's just the closeness of this to our our real world Mm -hmm. that made it a little... You, want to, you You would like to see this movie take maybe a little more consistent stance.
0: That's that's fair. That's a fair critique. I think you're right. I think that looking at it through the, the sense of Bud has figured out how this world works. Mm-hmm. And he's figured mm-hmm. out a way to make it himself. Mm-hmm. As long as he takes his morals and good judgment, puts it in a little box and closes mm-hmm. it. He's not going to sully himself like the others, but he's not going to do anything to discourage it. Right. And until he gets to his the top spot, and that's kind of what he says at the end too. He goes, you know, I played them too. I yeah. played the game too. Yeah, yeah. I'm not out anything. At the same time, when he says that at the end of the movie, after he believes that his one chance with the girl of his dream is gone, yeah, and she's over there, he just puts another lock on that little box and says, mm-hmm. "I'm just going to lock it up a bit more." Mm-hmm. You also pity him too. That mm-hmm. he has to live in this world and that this is the best it's going to be. He is just going to be sad and he's going to do his job. Mm-hmm. Now that he's at the place where he can do his job, he doesn't have to put up with those people anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. have to put up with the managers anymore. And he has made that – I have made that decision. I have done that. Yeah. Um, I know you didn't like the very, very ending. But before the very, very ending, mm-hmm. did you like his moment with Fred McMurray where he tells him no and he walks out? Yeah. You know, I,
1: I think that it was uh, a long, a long time coming, you mm-hmm. know, in, in there. I was really, I think, especially towards the end of the movie, what, what I really focused on more was the interplay between him and, and Shirley MacLaine, who, mm-hmm. you know, we really haven't talked too, too much about, but is just absolutely glows in this movie. She's just has so much character, you know?
0: Let's talk more about her then. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I'm thinking particularly of the card playing scene. Uh-huh. Which I thought, I think that's probably the scene that, you know, if you were a, uh, an acting teacher, that's a scene you would give your students to, d- to do, I think. Because it gives you business. You know, they're playing cards and they kind of play in this card game. But then they're also talking about, they're going through, the, <laughs> they're working their way through their double shame, mm-hmm. right? Her shame of sleeping with Fred McMurray. And then trying to commit suicide and his shame for basically being a, you know, brothel owner of some kind. You pretty know. much. So, well, they're both damaged people. Neither one of them can say, oh, how could you have done this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they've both done things. And just seeing them neg- kind of, they, they have a pretty good idea of who the other person is and what they've done. And they still kind of like each other. You know, yeah. they still have that connection with each other, I think. Just as they're navigating each other's personality through that card game, I just think is brilliant and just beautifully done by those two actors.
0: I think the entire the entire interplays that occur with them in the apartment together, yeah. uh, you're right that that is quite possibly one of the centerpieces there. And it's a reason why Billy Wilder brings back the card game to the final scene of the yeah. movie. Yeah. But you have... Fantastic interplay with them and just trying to figure out what Bud's motives are. Like Mm -hmm. you said, Bud is – there's a moral decrepitude about Bud and you're kind of Mm -hmm. wondering, okay, so how deep does it go? But then you realize, no, no, no. He still has his morals. They're not locked up in that little box there. He is not going to take advantage of her at all. Mm -hmm. Right, right. He is going to protect her. He's going to care for her. He is Mm -hmm. going to uh, – At the cost of himself, many Mm, times, he's going to take care of everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that makes him a little bit better. Yes, he still hasn't – he still has done all these horrible things. But he has kind of drawn the line and saying, well, okay, so because I've done that, this is – a mess. I'm going to resolve this, and I'm going to care about this person because that's what I do. He, c- he could have been a predator to her.
1: He, he could, could have. have taken advantage. All right, mm-hmm. the doctor brings her back. Now he's going to manipulate her and control her and all mm-hmm. this stuff. He, she was just perfect for that, right? Yeah. If he was really a predator at heart, like some of these other guys seem to be.
0: But he's, he's not. not. No, he's not. And once again, I think this goes to some of the progressive side of, of the film yeah. too. He listens to her hmm He mm-hmm. encourages her. And he doesn't judge, like you said, he doesn't judge her for anything mm-hmm. that she's done. At the same time, his heart is breaking. And our heart is yeah. breaking for him, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And and I think that kind of goes back to what you were kind of alluding to about that scene with Fred McMurray mm-hmm. when he comes in and he's like, "I'm going to take her off your hands," and and Fred McMurray gives him his speech back at him. I'm going to take
0: her. I'm going to marry her. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> it's like, and we already know that Bud is a soft. He's a small dog. He just yeah, yeah, yeah. he will he will show with the soft underside of his belly. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But then. But then Fred Murray does cross the one line. Mm. Give me the key to the apartment. Yeah. <sighs> no, I'm I'm done. I've got yeah. what I want. Yeah. That's over. That's yeah, done. Yeah. And the question is, would he have given it to anybody else for any other person? Mm-hmm. Eh, maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Probably but not. But the fact that it's Fran and yeah. him.
1: Yeah. No. 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 I can't. I
0: can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. I won't do it. And I will give up. The kingdom that I have worked for.
1: Mm -hmm. That's his really first, the first big time that he makes a sacrifice.
0: I, he's a public made sacri- sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's weird because there are small sacrifices he makes throughout the film. Mm-hmm, and whether mm-hmm. whether you agree with his moral decision or not, the fact that he does spend the night outside in the cold forest, you know, he is building yeah, up to something. But this is for himself. But this is for yeah. himself. He makes a sacrifice for himself. Even yeah. he even. Uh, <laughs> takes the punch from Fran's brother-in-law yeah, just to try yeah. to protect everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not for himself. So, you're right on that. You're definitely right on that. I, I do have an, uh, a,
1: a note when uh, Jack Lemmon is going to see Sheldrake. Suddenly, I'm in a David Lynch movie. The cinematography becomes this very Lynchian and, you know, people are like, <laughs> you did? I did. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> and, you know, really powerful cinematography here. <laughs>
0: Like I said, I I like this movie on many, many fronts, but... (laughs) (laughs) We've kind of been all over the board here. I just want to see if there's anything else on your notes that you wanted to talk about are for good, for bad, anything else that you'd like to bring up? I think one of the, while the music in this movie is good,
1: I mean, the movie knows what it is, right? It's in some sense, at the end of the day, there's a lot of comedic staging for all Mm -hmm. the dark things we're talking about. The score is upbeat, the cinematography gives you distance, the dialogue, uh, cookie-wise, all that stuff. It's funny and it's sharp and it's trying to have the same kind of glint in its eye that like Some Like It Hot has. Yeah. In some sense. but. I think that this movie would have been better served if it was like a noir. And I'm thinking particularly two that I thought of that I think this, it, this could almost be on this level. It's The Sweet Smell of Success. I don't know if you've seen that one. No, I haven't. Burt Lancaster and Tony Curtis. Um, okay. The cinematography by James Wong Howe. It's got this snappy dialogue. It's, it's a dark Dark hearted, you know, sinister hearted movie. Sweet Smell of Success, great film. And the other one is Touch of Evil. Oh, yeah. And I think this, you know, that's Orson Welles, Janet Leigh, Charlton Heston playing, mm-hmm. playing a Mexican. Remember, if you remember in Ed Wood? Yep. They got Charlton Heston playing a Mexican. Oh, that's Touch of Evil. It's a great that's movie. Touch of evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think this movie is. If they had kind of scooched it towards those movies, I think this would be more powerful. I, I think from a – then it could have – it was trying to pretend that it was a snappy comedy, and it's not. And it's, it's more
0: powerful than that. I always see this more as a dark comedy. I know it's listed yeah. more as a romantic comedy. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's more in the dark element just because of yeah. what the content that they're talking about is. Mm-hmm. They're talking mm-hmm. about – Suicide. They're talking yeah. about infidelity. They're yeah. talking about a lot of uh, drinking and partying. There's a mm-hmm. lot of darker element themes in yeah. here. But you're right. There is the comedy elements. Even when Jack Lemon is out drinking his sorrows away on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and he meets the one lady at the bar, that entire scene is depressing and sad. Yeah, but it yeah. is funny yeah. just because the two actors are amazing and just how they play off each other, and you can sympathize. We've yeah. been there. We've yeah. gone out and it's like, I just need to get over whatever <laughs> is bothering me, and I'm going to just make it all go away yeah. for tonight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, I think I can say this is a great movie. I mm-hmm. mean, it's really uh, magnificently crafted. My my issues are just more really a little different, um, but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and as much as I love this movie, and as much as I will, I will continue to sing its praises, mm-hmm. I do have to recognize, and, and I recognize this for a lot of movies that sure. I own, that I love, that I watch mm-hmm. over and over again, that there was a time that the movies came out. And there's yeah. a lot of things in the movies that we would not see or we would take exception to today. Sure. There needs to be more that has to occur. Or there needs to be some kind of statement in there about how people are being treated. We are not mm-hmm. going to stand for that and that we expect people to stand up for each other more. But in the place where the time was, sure. and also what well, that's not what this movie is about. This movie is about something else. Yeah, yeah. So, it is It is one of the challenges that anybody who loves movies does need to recognize from time to time Absolutely. that there are some things that don't stand the test of time as well as other things do. Mm-hmm. But
1: also, too, you know, um, I, I, I also like movies that I've loved all my life mm-hmm. that, you know, I fell in love with in the 70s and I recognize are <laughs> in many ways offensive. Yep. But I fell in love with it. Yeah. So, what are you
0: going to do? Is there anything else you want to say or should we get on to ranking this film? I am very glad I saw this movie. Good. I am glad. I'm always willing to have discussions. I think somebody one time asked me, do you only have people on that agree with your opinions? No. no. Do I like it when they do? <laughs> sure. But that's boring after a while. It's okay to like a movie. It's okay to not like a movie. And I like the discussion. As long as we can have good discussion about the movie, yeah. it's perfectly fine. I respect your opinion. You respect mine. It's all Absolutely. good. Now you, you can break my heart and tell me how many full bags of popcorn you're going to give this film. <laughs> well, I would
1: say from a, if you're looking at this movie I would look at it in two ways: how good is it as a piece of craftsmanship, and then how much did I enjoy it? Yes. And I would say, as a piece of craftsmanship, this is probably at least a four out of five. Okay. It's it's uh, and it may be a five out of five. This is a, a, a amazing piece of work. Ma- you know, from acting to cinematography to directing to set design, the whole thing. This is a great movie. I would give it as to my enjoyment, I would say it too. Okay. Um, I can recognize how, how great it is, but it, I just was taken out of it myself.
0: No, I, I can appreciate that. I can understand that too. This is always going to be a five-star movie for me just because I can, I, I see the pieces that Billy Wilder put together. I yeah. see the wonderful acting by the leads, by the supporting cast. Everybody is just playing it to their hilt. Yeah, And, and, it just all comes together really well. And like I said, too, rewatching this movie for the umpteenth time. My wife caught me crying at the end of this movie. <laughs> I'm a softie at heart. I can't help it. <laughs> I completely understand your, your rankings. I completely understand where you're coming from. And I really have appreciated this conversation. Yeah, me too. This is a lot of fun, right? Can you tell the people where people can hear your dulcet tones talk about <laughs> other things on the internet? <laughs> you betcha. Me and my uh, my buddy
1: Chris, we do a podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show, where we talk about indie comics. You can do an iTunes search for The Professor Frenzy Show. I'm on Twitter at Professor Frenzy. Uh, you can Facebook like The Professor Frenzy Show page. We're on Instagram, Professor Frenzy, Amazon Music, on YouTube, slash Professor Frenzy. It's just all one word. And we're on TikTok. You can go to Professor Frenzy 2 to see our videos. Now, why Professor Frenzy 2? Very simple Very simple reason. I forgot the password to Professor Frenzy
0: and (laughs) Professor Frenzy One. So, (laughs) there you have it. (laughs) Can you give me Professor Frenzy one more time? Just say that one more time. Professor Frenzy. It's a show. Okay. I needed to throw that in there somewhere. good.
1: Ah, felt good. It felt, good. It felt
0: really good. You can find me over on Twitter at mmuckabout or on my other podcast, Unpacking the Power Power Pack, which I host with my own personal elevator operator jeff if you would like to be on the show please feel free to contact me you can reach me at jeff and represent all one word at gmail.com big thank you to the long box crusade for letting me use this wonderful attic of their headquarters to broadcast my show and to the members of the long box crusade who help support the network if you would like to support the network head on over to patreon and search for Longbox crusade now grab some popcorn and pull up a seat because we will be back in another month with another episode the music for this episode is Fall Back by Musical Genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at That's joseflin99. That's J O S E F L I N 99.